Now, we're in the middle of this series called What Now? And we began a few weeks ago by reminding ourselves that God's always in control even when things seem out of control. And we reminded ourselves that He has a plan for our lives even in chaotic times, that sort of thing. And that He provides for us. And today we're going to talk about remembering His goodness to us. And so uh, my opening slide is kind of... I want to see if you can notice what these people... Don't forget to remember. What did they forget to remember? What? No, on this slide. Yeah, they forgot to spell check. Yeah, yeah, so it's kind of funny. Um, So I posted on Facebook this question. Have you ever forgotten anything important? And um, I had lots of responses. If you want to look at that, you can. But let me read a couple of them to you. A couple of my favorites. I think I had 80-something responses, which is kind of fun. Uh, And there are really good ones. Uh, Many, many people, it seems, have forgotten their kids' places, so that's kind of interesting. But Tom Capps is a friend of mine. He lives around here. He's part of the uh, Three Rivers Baptist Association. Uh, He writes, The first year we were married, I worked hard to remember to celebrate my wife's birthday on September 15th. It turns out, though, her birthday is actually September the 4th. September 15th was a, was a previous girl's uh, girlfriend's birthday, so it's like, oh, not only is it bad, but then it gets worse. Uh, my nephew, Alan Martin, uh, played basketball in high school, and he said, when I was playing basketball, we had a road trip to the mountains of Kentucky. I sat at the end of the bench that season and never got in. We were getting blown out, so coach called me to go into the game. That's when I realized I had forgotten my shorts, uh, and so I didn't get to go in. So when you're, uh, when you're dressing out, you really should wear clothes. Uh, that, that's really good. Um, a lot of these are, are funny. Um, I had a, um, a, a children's uh, director at my church in Michigan, and we had a bigger stage, kind of a big stage, and we always decorated big for, uh, for um, Halloween, not Halloween, for uh, Vacation Bible School. And so Vacation Bible School was coming up, and the theme that year was swamp or something. You know, they always have a theme. It's like the mountains or whatever. So this particular was, this year was about a swamp, and so they did a great job. They had put a little like a little boat on there and it looked like you know kind of uh, we had an artist that built this little cabin out of styrofoam it was just it was really kind of amazing and and so this cabin had a porch and this little boat sat out front and it kind of had that mossy stuff around and and so during the service these crickets it was like a cricket soundtrack kept kept going and going and I'm like gosh this is driving me nuts I don't know I, I have you know attention deficit when I'm preaching and so I, I couldn't stand it. So during the service, I said, well, somebody go get, her name is Cherie, the, the lady that ran our children's ministry. I said, well, you, somebody go get Cherie to turn this cricket, this cricket soundtrack off. It's driving me nuts. Well, come to find out there was no cricket soundtrack. We had crickets. And so a lot of crickets are, so sometimes we don't forget. We just think we forget. And I know this, the older I get, the more I forget. Um, this is the favorite meme of mine for this particular series or this particular sermon Uh, This is Santa, uh, and it's the last year he'll forget to bring his glasses. I just think that's funny. All right, so these stones are for showing, not for throwing. I'd like to make that clear, so don't throw these. But in Scripture, God has a way of helping us remember, and oftentimes he asks us to set up markers of, like stones of remembrance. And so we're going to talk about that today, because here's my experience in life. My experience in life is that God is good most of the time. At least God's good all the time, but sometimes I don't always appreciate it. And, and so I need to be reminded that God is good. 
On insurance claims, a lot of times they'll, they'll attribute something that's inexplicable to an act of God. It was an act of God. And always, that's always negative. Like a, it would be like if you're driving through an intersection and the stoplight, stoplight falls on your car. That would be an act of God. It's kind of unexplainable, but they have to give it some reason. But you know, I don't know that we, we don't typically look at really, really good things as an act of God. Things like uh, you have a baby that's born healthy, that's an act of God. You go to a doctor's appointment and it's uneventful, that's an act of God. I mean, all these things can be an act of God. And so the psalmist tells us this, that we will remember, I will remember your great deeds, Lord. I will recall this, the wonders you did in the past. I will think about all you've done. I will meditate on all your mighty acts. And this is what we're going to talk about today. We're going to set up, at least we're going to talk about some markers. November the 1st is today. Today we celebrate at my house, we set up a marker. We call this Celebrate Life Day. The vests uh, call November 1st Celebrate Life Day. 23 years ago on November the 1st, I had borrowed my dad's pickup truck and had gone to Walmart to buy my girls some bikes for Christmas. I had my two daughters with me. Amaris, or my oldest daughter, was with me. She was four at the time. Mallory was three. They were riding with me in the pickup truck. We had gone to get the bikes. We had them in the back of the truck. We were going home, back to my mom and dad's house. And about, I don't know, a quarter of a mile from my mom and dad's house, it's a rainy kind of day. It's sort of misty. It's wet. We're driving. I'm going 55 miles an hour. There's a car coming, a truck coming toward me, um, who hydroplanes, comes into my lane, and we we crashed 55 miles an hour. Uh, the people in the other vehicle perished in this crash, and we were injured. My door wouldn't open, and so I had to figure out how to get out, and I knew I could see that they were, the, their car had caught on fire. And so one has to think through, okay, what do we need to do to make sure we get out? And so I climbed over the seat, and that door happened to be able, uh, I was able to open that, I got Amaris out first. She was um, bleeding. Her chin had gotten cut when we had this collision. The girls were wearing their seatbelts, which was good. Um, but she had cut her chin, and she was bleeding, and so she was crying a little bit. And I carried her uh, away from the car into the ditch, and then I got Mallory out, who uh, was somewhat lethargic. Now, if you know Mallory, and you, many of you don't, but Mallory even today has a big personality, and she's full of life, and Every room that she enters just gets brighter. She just has that, she has a kind of a way, a presence about her. And for her to be lethargic is just really uncommon. And so I picked her up, her little limp body, and I carried her to the ditch and laid her there. And by the time that I got the girls out of the car, um, the hair on my legs had been singed because the fire had gotten bigger. By the time I got them to the ditch, these two cars explode. And we remember this day. And November 1st, is special for us because we remember what God did for us that day. Mallory was taken to the hospital. We were all taken to the hospital, actually. And I remember the kindness of passers-by. Um, I was shaken, obviously, and so I kind of laid down and I had laid the girls beside me. And we had people... Strangers stop to help us. And put blankets on the girls, take care of them. Nobody took care of me, uh, but uh, they took care of the girls. It was okay, it's okay. And the girls get in one ambulance, and I get in another, and we're taken to the hospital. Can you imagine a little three-year-old and a four-year-old 
Amaris's chin needed some stitches. She was brave and took those well. Mallory had a ruptured spleen. Um, the doctor came in and told Miriam and, and me that we they were going to have to operate. And so I grabbed his hand and I said, I hope you don't mind, but I'm going to pray for you. And we prayed for him. And um, while they were in there, they noticed not only did she have a ruptured spleen, but she also had a, her large intestine had torn from the impact. And we're thankful she had a ruptured spleen because if they hadn't gone in, they might not have seen that she had a torn large intestine. Here's the deal. Sometimes bad things seem bad, but there was a reason. Mallory was in the hospital for about a week. Her white blood cell count was elevated, and so they were worried that the infection from her large intestine had gotten in her bloodstream, and they were also worried that perhaps there was something else wrong that they didn't find while they were in there. And I remember praying that, um, that she would be okay. You know, it's one thing to trust that God is in control. It's something else when you're out of control. And so we prayed, God, you know, we know you love her more than we do. And the day before, they were about to go back in and do more surgery. Um, her blood, white blood cell count uh, decreased and she was, they were able to release her in two days. It was great. She got home and she recovered pretty well, but she was hobbling a little bit. We found out later that she would broken her leg. It was probably three weeks later. So then she gets in a little cast. Celebrate Life Day for us means something. We remember this. I was texting them a couple of weeks ago when I was looking at this message, and I just said, girls, you remember any of that? And they really don't remember it, and I'm thankful they don't remember lots of it because they were so little. I remember that. I mean, I'm thankful for that, that they don't remember all of it, but I can tell you who does remember it. It's my wife and me. We remember it, and we want them to remember it. It's funny. Um, a couple of years after that, uh, July 3rd, I had a heart attack. I, I feel like if I was a cat, I'm on like uh, life nine. You know, it's like I had a lot of times where I've almost died. And, and I'm living on borrowed time, and the fact of the matter is we all are. And we need to remember that. We set up these markers to remind us of important events that happen in our life. We have birthday markers. Those are, those are kind of markers. I have a wife and four daughters, and I remember those birthdays. I, I remember my mother's sometimes. Uh, that's really important. I started putting that on the calendar the first year I forgot it. Uh, so, you know, you need to have things on your calendar that remind you, birthday markers. That should be enough, I think. But uh, I, I love Miriam for many reasons, and one of the reasons is uh, she's not incredibly sentimental. So I know there are some women that remember things like they want you to remember, you know, the uh, the first kiss, you know, the day of the first kiss, and your first uh, little Debbie's cake you shared, you know, that kind of thing. I can hardly remember to take the trash out on Friday, so I, you know, I'm glad Miriam's not like that. I, I have other sorts of markers. Um, I always wear my dad's shoes that he gave me when I do a funeral. They remind me of what it feels like to lose something, uh, someone that you love. My dad passed away many years ago, but I wear those shoes because it reminds me of what that day feels like for the people that are having the funeral. I remember that. It's good. It's good to have markers. It's good to be reminded. 
And then you go to the graveside if you have that sort of service. And you're there and you have words over this grave. And I don't know about you, but if you ever go on through a, a, a cemetery, I don't go intentionally other than when I'm having a funeral or doing a funeral. But when I go or I'm attending one, I notice the older markers. Do you ever look at the older ones? I just want to see how old they are. And sometimes you'll see them and they're 100 years old. They, they died 100 years ago. And you think to yourself, does anybody remember them at all? I think, who remembers them? Because I have ancestors that died 100 years ago. I have no idea who they are. I don't know where they're buried. I don't know anything. I remember my dad dying, but I don't remember my granddad dying. I was little when that happened. And then, of course, I, don't even, I wasn't even born when my great-grandparents died. And we wonder, and those markers are there. They're graveside markers, but does anybody even remember them? There are some funny ones out there, people who write funny things. I kind of want to figure out what to write on mine, but here are a couple that I found that are quite humorous. There's one in Uniontown, Pennsylvania that le- reads like this, here lies the body of Jonathan Blake, he stepped on the gas instead of the brake. I, you know, I kind of want something like that for mine. In, in San Francisco, here lies Sir Edward Poe, the train was fast but Poe was slow, uh, I kind of like that one. Um, here's one that um, is politically incorrect, John Dryden writes about his wife, here lies my wife, here let her lie, now she can rest and so can I. Uh, that's really kind of not very nice, honestly. In Silver City, Nevada, there's one that says, Here lays the kid, we, we planted him raw. He was quick to the trigger, but slow to the draw. Uh, so uh, evidently he got in a gunfight. And here's, um, there's a British comedian named Spike Mulligan, and this is what he wrote on his marker. I, I just kind of think that's funny. <laughs> We're going to talk about something called an Ebenezer. The song that Chris sang a minute ago had, this, had the words, uh, Here I raise mine Ebenezer. An Ebenezer is a stone of remembrance. It's a kind of a complex compound word. Uh, Ebenezer means stone of help. And in the story that we're going to look at today, we're going to be in Joshua, by the way. God instructs Joshua to erect a stone or a monument of remembrance. And so let's kind of dive in. Joshua 3, Joshua told the people, consecrate yourself for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. A couple things. Consecrate would be, there's a process. To consecrate oneself in this time meant there was a certain ritual bathing that you would go through and you would abstain from certain foods and certain activities and you would engage in certain prayers and confessions. Consecrating oneself was a big deal. Now, understand the context of this text. Uh, The Israelites had been enslaved in Egypt for hundreds of years. They had cried out to God. God eventually heard their cries, and he delivered them miraculously. You'll remember the story. If you ever watch the movie The Ten Commandments, you see, uh, you saw that God delivered them through these ten plagues, and the plagues, you know, the plague of frogs and the plague of, of, of uh, flies, there were several of them, and the hail one time. And then uh, the last, there was a plague where the plague, the Nile turned to blood, and then there was the plague of the death of the firstborn. And that was the last straw. And the Egyptians released the Israelites and they passed through the Red Sea and they were delivered by God and they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. 
And they were promised a land. You know what, you know what the name of the land was called? The promised land. Uh, it's interesting how that works. And the promised land was, was promised to them, a land flowing with milk and honey. And they wandered for 40 years, but now they are on the brink of entering the promised land. And there's only one obstacle between them and the promised land, and it's the Jordan River. And so that's where we find ourselves in this story. Joshua told the people, hey, we've been waiting for this day for 40 years. We've been waiting in anticipation of getting to the promised land. And tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Joshua said to the priest, take the Ark of the Covenant and pass on ahead of the people. And he said, consecrate yourself, for tomorrow God will do great things. Now, they took, up, they took it up. The Ark of the Covenant, by the way, was a symbol of God's presence. They took it up and went ahead of them. And the Lord said to Joshua, Tell the priests to carry the Ark of the Covenant. And when you reach the edge of the Jordan's water, go and stand in the river. And this was going to be an, a miraculous thing. Now, they had heard about the parting of the Red Sea, but none of these people had actually ever witnessed it other than Joshua and Caleb, two guys. So everybody else, this was new. They had heard the stories, but they had never witnessed it themselves. So when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, there's no bridge by the way, and it was flood stage. The priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. The Jordan was at flood stage all during harvest. Yet, as soon as the priests who carried the Ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap a great distance away. And this is remarkable. Now, you can imagine if you've anticipated something. I don't know about you, but I'm anticipating Thanksgiving. I'm anticipating Christmas. Well, these folks have waited for 40 years to enter the promised land, and they're very excited about this event. And so God wants them to remember what's happening that day, and that's kind of where we're going to find ourselves right now, chapter 4. When the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Choose twelve men from among the people, one from each of your tribes, and tell them to take up twelve stones from the middle of the Jordan, right where the priests stood, and carry them over with you where you put down, uh, and put them down at where you stay the night. Set up, he's saying, set up a memorial for what's going to happen or what's happening right now. I need you to remember this event. Now you would think... If I walked through the river and the water piled up behind me, that would be memorable. And yes, I guess it would. But he wants not just the people to remember now, but also remembering is about the future. The reason we established a a Celebrate Life Day was because we don't ever want to forget what God has done for us. And the reason we set up markers in our lives is because we don't want to forget what God has done for us. And so we have a tendency... To forget, that's why we set up the markers. Now, I don't know about you, but I have trouble remembering. The older I get, the harder it is for me to remember the right things and certain things. We're in the middle of a house renovation, and I can tell you this, I would have gotten done a long time ago if I could just remember where I put my tools. I'll work on something in this room. I, I, I've got two of everything. I can't find either one of them. I, you know, you work here, and now you're working over there, and I can't remember where I put it from between here and there. And I forget things, and I think most of us forget things. And so God wants us to set some markers in our lives to remember. So Joshua called, the 12, called together the 12 men he had appointed from the Israelites, the leaders of each of their tribes, uh, one from each tribe. And he said to them, Go over before the ark of the Lord, your God, into the middle of the Jordan. Now understand, they've already passed 
And now Joshua is saying, all right, go back into the river with this wall of water building up. I don't know about you, that really would not be an assignment I'd want to take on, but that's what he's asking them to do. Each one of you take up a a stone on his shoulder, so it must be a pretty big stone, according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites, to serve as a sign among you. We do this today. We set up memorials. We have them all over the place. Let's take a little quiz. I'll see if you know any of these. Do you know what this memorial is? Washington Monument. Very good. You know what this one is? Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. I didn't hear any answers. Uh, what's this one? Do you know? It's from Iwo Jima. It's the, uh, I think it's the Marine um, Memorial. This one? Lincoln Memorial. Does anybody remember where Lincoln was born? What state? Kentucky. Yep. You know who else was born in Kentucky? Really, really great people. Okay. Uh, just so you remember. You know what this one is? Not in America, by the way. Oh, great. Uh, so the Shah had a wife that he liked. He had a bunch of them, but uh, there's one he liked. And so he built this. Uh, now, this is a little tricky. Let's see if you can get this one. That's the first Kentucky Fried Chicken. Uh, so that's really important. That's in uh, Corbin, Kentucky. I, I knew you wouldn't get that because you people aren't very sophisticated. All right, it's okay. That's okay. That's okay. It's all right. We set up these memorials to remind us of things. So the Lincoln Memorial obviously is about Lincoln and the Emancipation Proclamation. Washington, the founder of our country, or at least the leader in the founding our country. And we remember these things, the uh, Marine, um, the Marine uh, Memorial. We, we have these memorials. The, there's the Vietnam Veteran Memorial. They're, they're, these are great things to have because it reminds us of things. And I want to encourage you. I mean, maybe God is whispering in your ear, hey, I've done some things for you, but you're not remembering them like you should. Maybe you should set up some memorials. And there's more than one way to do this. I'm not talking about, hey, go in your yard and put a pile of rocks and remember something. You don't have to do it that way. For us, it's just a date. We have an anniversary of something. And that's what we do because that made sense to us. For some of us, it needs to be, okay, I need to remember to pray. My, my day is going to be... A, Better if I, from 12 to 12.05 every day, I'm going to set a a marker in my life and that's going to be my time to pray. Or we talked about this the last few weeks, that the first seven minutes of every day sort of set the the tone for your day. Maybe your marker is going to be, all right, my first seven minutes, I'm going to read my Bible for a couple of minutes and I'm going to pray. This is going to be the way I start my day. And that's a marker. Maybe for you it's going to be, okay, I'm going to remember, I'm going to come to church and I'm not going to, it's going to be about me remembering all the goodness of God this past week. These are all great ways to be reminded, to remember, to not forget what God has done for us. Because we do have a tendency to forget. The second reason, wow, the second reason why we establish markers, they remind us to be thankful. There's nothing like ingratitude. I mean, I think we all have probably experienced that in our lives. Last week, you as a church gave us as a staff, pastor and staff appreciation gifts. We really appreciate that. Many of you have sent us cards and encouraging words. So, so appreciated. Thank you for that. We really do feel appreciated, and I want to thank you for, for those things. Um, when we have kids, those of us who've had kids, we have to teach our children to be thankful. And so every parent that's ever walked the planet, I think, has used the words, now what do you say? Your kid will get something and, and you'll look at them and they've not responded and, and the, what, our response to them is, what do you say? 
Because we want to teach them to be thankful. I heard about one grandmother. She had been writing very generous checks to her grandchildren for their birthdays, mailing them to them. But she wasn't receiving any thanks. And she was kind of lamenting that a little bit with her friends. And so they were kind of at you know, bridge club or whatever, church outing or something. They said, well, did you just stop sending checks? Because that's kind of the, you know, if you're not going to be thankful, then I'm not going to give you anything else. And she said, no, I came up with a better solution. I fixed the problem. Now, every time I send them a check, they come by personally and thank me. And they were like, how did you do that? And she said, I stopped signing the checks. That's brilliant. That is brilliant. Now, what was interesting about this particular story is it starts at the top. Did you notice that? He doesn't ask everybody, hey, everybody grab a rock while you're in the middle of the river. No. There are leaders who go back into the river. They model this for the people. And we who are leaders in our families and we who are leaders in our businesses, we model this for the people around us. And that's why Miriam and I, we wanted to model this. We, we need to model these sorts of things because we represent God. When we show our kids that we appreciate what God has done, when we thank God for a meal, when we thank God for protecting us, when we thank God for the things He's done for us, it models it for them. A lot of times what we do is more caught than taught. And so, uh, just a suggestion, maybe tonight before you go to bed, you get your family together and you say, okay, let's think of five things for which we're thankful for. What are we thankful for? For us, um, um, we, we haven't had power since Thursday. Um, so, um, we're practicing social distancing because we stink. And uh, so, nobody wants to be around us. It's great. It works out perfectly. That's not true. We went to, we went to a hotel and, and took a shower. But um, we're thankful. Boy, I tell you what, when you don't have it, you're, you're thankful. I'll be thankful when the power comes back on, if it ever comes back on. I'll be very, very thankful for that. Um, you know what else I'm going to be really thankful for? When... When I was a kid, I used to think, oh, it'd be great to go out to eat. It'd be great to go out to eat. We don't go out to eat very much. Well, I've been out to eat a lot lately because we don't have any way of cooking any food at our house. And so I'm really tired of that. I'm going to be thankful for, um, for a home-cooked meal. But you know what? I am thankful that I have enough money to buy food. I'm thankful that I live in a place that's warm. I'm thankful for friends. I can't tell you how many of you have offered, hey, we can bring you a generator. I mean, just really, I have great friends. You all are awesome. We appreciate the offers. Um, I, I've kind of enjoyed getting in touch with nature. You know, kind of, you, I've, I've done things in the woods this last week I never thought I would do. Uh, it's been great. It's been great for me. Uh, get in touch. My primitive side. I mean, it's really been good for me. So, uh, it's all good. But when I lay my head on the pillow tonight, I'll, I'll be able to say, hey, here are five things. We can come up with five things for which we're thankful. Because it's a really good practice. I started this a while back. Before I go to sleep, I try to remember as I lay my head on the pillow, Lord, I'm going to pray and I'm going to thank you for five things at least today. It's easy. There's, there's a lot of things to be thankful for. I mean, it really doesn't take a lot of work. Maybe at first it might take you a little while, but man, after, after you get in the habit of it, and here's another way to do it. Maybe during the day, five things happen during the day and you're thankful right away. 
That's a good way to be too. The third reason is we establish markers is it's a teaching tool. Look at how Joshua frames this argument. In the future, when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? You tell them. Because they might be too little right now to remember is what he's saying. But someday, because children are inquisitive, they're going to ask you, what do these stones mean? And you tell them. But the flow of the Jordan was cut, cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. And when we crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off and they backed up. And I'm going to tell you about this because I know you're interested. Elise wasn't even born. My, our youngest daughter wasn't even born when that accident happened. Janelle doesn't remember it. But Elise, for many, many years, when she was little, would say, Daddy, tell me about the car crash. And she wanted to know about the car crash. I probably told Elise the story 2,000 times. It was like every time we got in the car, she wanted to know, Daddy, tell me about the car crash. When we are thankful to God, when we establish these markers, our kids pick up on it. It reminds me of this verse in Proverbs that talks about train a child in the way he should go. And when they're old, they will not forget it. We train them we give voice to this, we, we model it for them, and we tell them this is why we do it. We, we set these markers up because we want to be reminded of what God has done for us. One last thing. When we set up these markers, it helps us appreciate what didn't happen. As I've been driving around the last couple of days and seeing all these trees that are down, there's a really, really, really big tree that fell over on Reed School Road. I mean, it's, it's big, big, big. And it fell into the road, and I'm sure it took out power lines. But if it had gone the other direction, it would have crushed that house. I don't know if we're as thankful for what doesn't happen as what... I mean, it, it didn't happen, so we don't, we don't think about it. Our daughter Janelle and her husband were going to come help us this weekend, and we had to say, no, don't come because we don't have any power and we really don't have anywhere to put you, and it really wouldn't be a good, uh, good, good scene for us. And we appreciate their uh, willingness. But maybe something was going to happen to them between Knoxville and here, and God prevented that from happening. We don't know what God prevents sometimes. Perhaps we just need to be thankful for what didn't happen. Have you thought about, hey, what didn't happen? My house... I don't have power, but nothing fell on my house. Nothing fell on me. Could have, didn't. There were trees all around us falling down. Nothing fell on us. I'm thankful for what didn't happen. You know what? When, you're, when you go without for a little bit, when that power comes back on, I'm going to be more appreciative. I, I usually don't think about turning a light switch on, but I'm going to think about it for a while at least. I'm going to be pretty thankful for that. Sometimes when we're sick, we think, well, why is this happening to us? Well, maybe it's to remind us that most of the time you're not sick. It's to help us remember we have it good most of the time. We have it go our way most of the time. Paul Harvey told a story many years ago about a stewardess who was working a flight. She was very attractive, and she just so happened on this flight, she had... Men flirting with her, one in first class and one in the back of the plane. They were obnoxious and they were aggressive and she didn't appreciate it, but because it was her task to work the plane, she worked the plane. Toward the descent, when they were heading down to the landing, the man in first class became quite bold. 
And he handed her his apartment key with a slip of paper and the address. And he said, I'll see you tonight. And she carried that to the back of the plane and handed it to the other guy. And with a wink, she said, I'll see you tonight. Now see, isn't that great? That's a great story. That's gold right there. That's gold. God's provision is amazing. He provides for us in many, many ways. And so we're going to take communion right now to remind us of what God has done for us. If you received one of these when you came in, if you didn't, they're in the back table. You can go walk and get one if you'd like. You have to be, you have to have some manual dexterity to get the top off and reveal this little wafer that's something like styrofoam. Um, don't confuse your rock for the wafer. That's a bad look on your teeth. I can tell you that. That's not going to work out for you. In 1 Corinthians 11, we're told that on the last night, Jesus was on this earth. He had a supper with his closest 12 associates. In fact, if you think about it, and I have thought about this often, part of that last meal included Jesus washing his disciples' feet. When he washed his disciples' feet, it included a guy named Judas who would betray him. It's really amazing to me. I get aggravated with people. I really don't want to have anything to do with them. Jesus washes their feet. It's kind of interesting. He's better than us. At least he's better than me. And Jesus, they celebrated a meal together. They had a marker. Jesus established a marker. And he said, as often as you do this, as often as you take this Last Supper, he doesn't tell us how often. Some traditions, some religious traditions... um, Observe the Lord's Supper every week. Others like us, less often, we, we take the Lord's Supper about four times a year. There's not a prescription in Scripture about how often to take it. Jesus just said, as often as you do. Part of what we do when we take the communion, when we take communion, is we assess ourselves. Lord, where am I with you spiritually? Am I in a good place with you? Do I have unconfessed sin? And so while I'm rambling here for the next maybe 30 seconds, it would be a good time for you to prayerfully consider, are you in good place with the Lord? And if not, confess, because I love that the Lord can forgive us on the spot, and He does it quickly, and He does it graciously. And they would have shared a meal together, and toward the end of the meal, Jesus establishes this marker. And He took bread, and He broke it, And he gave it to his disciples. And he would have thanked God for it. And the way he would have done that is he would have held the bread up before he broke it. And he would have said something to the effect of, Lord, thank you for um, this gift that you've given us. This bread from heaven. And then he broke it and he distributed it. And he would take in his peace and he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. And I can guarantee you his disciples didn't understand it completely that night because it was before he'd actually offered himself as a sacrifice. We have the advantage of looking back. They didn't have that advantage. But Jesus was making a marker, establishing a marker so that they would understand 
in a couple of days. This is my body, he said, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And when we take this bread, we remember the sacrifice that Christ made on the cross. That he offered himself somehow. I honestly, I've, I've got a lot of education. I don't know how exactly it works. Jesus took your place and my place. He took your punishment and my punishment on that cross. I don't understand all the mechanics of it. I just know it was from a heart of love that he offered himself for you and for me. And so we take this bread and we remember the sacrifice that Christ made for us. Let's do it together now. Now, do your best to peel off the top of this cup that contains grape juice. First Corinthians 11, it says that Jesus took the cup and in the same way he offered thanks and he would have held up a chalice and he would have said, thank you, Lord, for the fruit of the vine, for this gift that you've given to us. And they didn't have these little cups, so I'm, I'm assuming they probably passed the chalice around. But Jesus said, this is the new covenant in my blood. Covenant is an agreement. The agreement is relatively simple. It's relatively simple, but it's amazingly powerful. Here's the deal that we make with God. Jesus says, I will take your sins away. I will forgive you. And I will relieve you of the punishment that you deserve. Our commitment to him then is to follow him. However imperfectly we do that, he's willing to accept that bargain. He offers us salvation and eternity with him for a commitment from us that we will follow him. Again, most of us do it relatively imperfectly. And Jesus held up the cup and he thanked the Lord for it and he said this is the new covenant in my blood and we're reminded in Hebrews that without the shedding of blood there's no forgiveness of sin and Jesus's blood was spilled so that yours and mine wouldn't have to be and Jesus took our penalty so we wouldn't have to this is why we worship him and he said this is the new covenant in my blood. As often as you drink this, do this in remembrance of me. Let's do it now. I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to look at a couple of announcements. And I have a little video I want to show you right at the end, okay? Thank you, Lord, for this reminder, this marker that you've given us to... Put in our hearts and our spirits today the reality that the sacrifice was made on our behalf by your Son. Thank you for caring about us that much. Thank you for loving us that much. Help us to be aware and mindful of all that you do every day. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.